This is the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs. It's good. Pastor Richard's going to bring our message in a moment. Would you come up and lead us, Pastor? And uh, uh, Joe, I guess the request has been made. Would you come forward and just... Uh, maybe kneel here and let some of us gather around you and pray for you. I don't think you. he's supposed to kneel. Okay. We'll have him stand then. <laughs> I love you, brother. Oh, Jesus. How many times have we wished that we could just wave the magic wand and things would just go away? But an awesome, providential God, the sovereign over all, has something planned beyond our understanding, beyond our comprehension. What is so wonderful is that you don't waste anything, not anything. And you are going to weave this into the fabric of your master plan in some remarkable and beautiful way that we don't comprehend right now. We don't perceive. But oh, our hearts are burdened. And um, you've got this. You've got it. And I pray for our brother that you will strengthen him in faith as she stands by his side. May they know that God is in control. I pray that you'll give those attending physicians wisdom beyond their training and beyond their years. That uh, there will be a good resolution to this. Father, touch him in Jesus' name today. We uh, commit him into your, your precious and loving care. May there be an amazing turnabout recovery. To the glory of God. Yes. To the glory of God. In Amen. Jesus' name we pray. Amen, my brother. We love our pastor. Thank God for him and faith. I read something interesting some time ago. It apparently had transpired a number of years in the past that in London there was to be a very special presentation of the London Philharmonic. And because of the special Christmas presentation, they were having an opportunity for aristocracy, if you will, to have a dedicated performance. The planning allowed for what we would call a period of meet and greet prior to this special presentation. And among the many attendees 
was Lady Holly, who means nothing particularly to me in that I don't know anything about her history, only that she was, at that point in time, somewhat well advanced in age, and her eyesight was uh, seriously impaired. But as the time of fellowship proceeded, she found herself in conversation with a very delightful lady uh, whom she did not know. But as ladies do, they found plenty to talk about. <laughs> Grandchildren and how delightful the Christmas time was, you know, with children and the anticipation of the gifts and and the Christmas preparation and, oh, what do ladies talk about? But uh, they uh, were regaling one another with various stories of their family and happy Christmas experiences. And apparently something rather amusing was said, and Lady Holly, in a moment of familiarity, just kind of reached over and bumped shoulders with her newfound friend, and her impaired eyesight fell upon some very exquisite jewels that she instantly recognized. She nearly jumped back and she said, Oh, Your Majesty, Queen Elizabeth, I did not recognize you without your crown. But in those few moments of conversing, and fellowshipping, she learned far more about Queen Elizabeth than in all of her previous reading and and, uh, television and everything else that had portrayed uh, Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth. I want to know him as we sang a moment ago. I want to know him. That's the amazing thing about Christmas. Isaiah 7 and 8 refers to Jesus as Emmanuel. Matthew gives us an understanding of what that means. God with us. That we can know Him. That we can understand His heart. If I were to ask you a question this morning... Or phrase it this way, he is the God who, and then leave that blank. He is the God who, what would you place there? You see, the issue I'm trying to raise is this. Who is God? Who is he, really? What is he like? What is his essence? What is his personality? That question, who is God? What is he like? Is an age-old question. Down through the centuries, people have been attempting to discover who is this God? I must admit something here today. I was saved as a 15-year-old kid. I was raised in a Christian home. I answered the call to ministry 
I even pastored this church back in the 70s when I was in my 30s. Oh, that seems so long ago. I'm not sure that even at the point at which I pastored this church, I had this all figured out as to who is God. What is He like? For you see, intuitively we, we know that if we can answer that question, what is God like? then it follows that we need to become like Him. Understand that? And so, I think, as I make this confession to you here today, that my skewed understanding of who God is and what He was like impacted the kind of person I was at that point in time. So much so that when God really revealed Himself to me even more perfectly, bear in mind that I'd been a Christian for many, many, many years. Born and reared in a wonderful Christian home. But when God revealed Himself to me, and I, uh, I get emotional when I think about that because it was a very traumatic time in my life. I found it necessary to write some letters, even back to members of this church, and apologize. You say, how so? I was a hard man, McGee. I was a critical person, perhaps, in some sense. Or perhaps better said, judgmental. God broke my heart when I saw who He really was. But I get a glimpse of who He is and what He is like in a very interesting passage found in the book of Mark. I think we have a screen that has these scriptural references on them that will help us to understand who is this Jesus? Who is this Christ? What is He like? So either read from the screen if it's able to be put there or perhaps follow in uh, your Bibles, beginning at verse 33. They came to Capernaum. And when He was in the house, He asked them, This is a probing question. What were you arguing about on the road? But they kept quiet because on the way, they had argued about who was the greatest. Sitting down, Jesus called the twelve and said, "If If anyone wants to be first, he must be the very last and the servant of all. He took a little child and had him stand among them. Taking him in his arms, he said to them, Whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me does not welcome me, but but the one who sent me. Then if we could just slip across the page and look at uh, chapter 10 and verse 
13. People were bringing little children to Jesus to have him touch them. But the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I tell you the truth. Anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, put his hands on them, and blessed them. So reads this portion of Scripture. After having left the ministry here, I had the privilege for a time to pastor in a little small town in Kentucky, which was but a stone's throw away from Asbury Seminary. Many of you know that august institution. What a blessing that was, in that I was close enough that periodically I could go over and hear a special lecture, or sometimes I had the privilege of auditing one of the special sessions. And in one of those sessions and lectures, I was introduced to a book entitled The Concepts of God. And I think they even made a movie, a Christian movie of it some time ago. That, that book gripped me in that it gave various concepts of God. What is God like? Who is He? Interestingly, at this juncture of Jesus' life, there were clustered around him people, groups of people that knew, knew they had it all figured out. They knew who God was. They knew what he was like. And they would thank no one to inform them further. And so this book pointed out that there are a number of people who have a concept of God that he is the sheriff God. He is the God who comes riding in on his white steed with six guns strapped to his side, bullets ablazing, and exclaiming, I arrest you! I got you! I cut you! Like those Pharisees who one time brought the woman caught in the very act of adultery. And they declared Jesus, the law says. Now what do you say? They were the sheriff God people. My confession is that to a great extent, I'm afraid that was my concept of God for a number of years. The God who was there to catch you, <laughs> to criticize you, to judge you. Oh, are there any Sheriff God people here today? <laughs> Don't admit it. <laughs> but there were others right here in this group, and I think you can pick out the Sheriff God people. They were called Pharisees. Boy, they gave Jesus fits. They dogged his footsteps every 
step of the way. They they couldn't find anything good to say. And ultimately, they were the ones who orchestrated his hanging on the cross. So there were the... uh, the sheriff god people, but there were there were uh, there was the, the there were the butler god people. <laughs> Their concept of God is that, well, he's there to serve our needs. He has a towel over his uh, arm, and he comes about periodically, and he says, "More tea, sir." <laughs> is there anything I can do for you? Is there anything more that you need? Boy, there's a lot of people who have that concept of God. He's the butler who is just there to meet their every desire. They kind of have God in their pocket as a lucky rabbit's foot. You know, they come to me, Pastor, pray, I have an opportunity for this new job. It's going to pay 50% more than I... I've ever been paid before. I, well, I'm glad you're asking for prayer. I didn't even know you believed in the Lord, you know. And you very seldomly ever even darkened the door of the church for them. I'm glad you're interested. Or pray that I'll get that new car. Oh, my. God is there to just give us stuff. Maybe I ought to call him the Santa Claus God. The butler God who is just there to meet our every need. Well, there were those in that crowd that day who kind of adhered to the butler God concept. They had witnessed Jesus breaking five loaves of bread into pieces, a couple of fish, just, just, just filling their bellies, huh? Or maybe opening their blinded eyes. And and, uh, later on, when Jesus began to articulate the price of discipleship, what it really meant to be a Christian, the Scripture says many ceased to follow Him. And they said, this is a hard saying. These are hard things this man is preaching. Jesus looked at His own disciples and said, will you also go away? You see, he is more than just a butler God. A God there to meet our every little whim and need, like some kind of a glorified Santa Claus. Well, I could guess, I guess I could just go on. This, this author identified another concept of God, which kind of touches me at this stage of my life. He, he called him the, the geriatric God. I identify with the geriatric part. The geriatric God, those uh, Sadducees who were the modernists of their era, who believed there was an august God who represented the fatherhood of God and the brotherhood of man. But any interaction with God in our daily lives is a foreign notion. This august, bewhiskered God lives and inhabits eternity somewhere, but He's altogether too busy or too decrepit 
to ever be interested in my mundane problems and my mundane issues. He's just out there somewhere. So there were those who kind of adhered to the geriatric God. I, I probably, here, here is my own little inter, invention here. I, I believe there was also represented in this crowd a, a sectarian God. That is to say, he's the God who is a part of us. I mean, he is on our side. He votes for us. We are third generation church of God holiness. Thank you. And if there's any group that God is for, if there's any group that God is going to vote for, if there's any group that God is going to identify with, it's us. The disciples were convinced of that. Who I could preach a little while here. It's easy for us Americans to mix and mingle and muddle Christianity with Americanism. It's easy for us conservatives to mix and mingle and kind of confuse what essence, the essence of Christianity is with republicanism or conservatism. Or, Ooh, Jim, where are you, honey? Get me out of this bind. Various kinds of gods. Jesus came... Not only to redeem me, to pay the penalty for my sin. That he did, and that's the biggie. But as a part of that, the bird, God, was that he be known. That we see the face of God. That we understand who he is. And what he was like. And now, here are all these groups of people gathered around Jesus who are vying for ascendancy and who was the greatest and who was the most significant. And Jesus did an interesting thing. And I'm going to take some liberty here. I've already spied out somebody who I'm going to go target. She's so pretty. Her name is Navi. Look at her. Isn't she dressed for the occasion? Please. Say bye, Mom and Daddy. I'm going with Brother Beckham. He invited a little child. Come here, darling. And he took that child into his arms and he did something interesting. He hugged me. Now he said, I've had enough of this. Grandpa maybe, but this old fellow. Who are you looking at? Say hi, Daddy. Wave at him. 
I'm not having any luck. I, I've lost my charm. And she had died. He invited the little children, took them up on his lap, and he hugged them. Are you making faces? You can run back to your daddy now. What point am I attempting to make? I asked you a moment ago if I were to give you this phrase and leave the blank empty. He is the God who... What would you have put there? I supply word. Love would be appropriate. But the word I choose today is simply this. He is the God... Who hugs? Hallelujah. There was a day, my dear friend, when I didn't need judgment. I deserved it, but I didn't need judgment. I didn't need criticism. I needed I needed God to hug me. He is the God who hugs. And think about his ministry. Throughout his career, he went about hugging people who weren't used to being hugged. Like the lepers. Who when he touched them, they were stunned. He touched me. Not only were they touched, but he hugged them. He embraced them. These despicable, loveful people, the equivalent of AIDS victims perhaps today, these people who perhaps represented the consequences of their sin, and their poor judgments, these people that were loathed by society and were forced to put rags over their faces and, and shout, unclean, unclean, unclean. Yet Jesus, Jesus hugged them. He hugged him. It reminds me of a time when some tourists were visiting Calcutta, India, and they they wanted to see the work of Mother Teresa. And when they were ushered into her presence, she was oblivious of their presence, but she was bathing the oozing, loathsome wounds of a leper victim. And this smelly, loathsome caricature of a person was being attended to lovingly by the tender hands of Mother Teresa. And the tourist spoke up and said, I wouldn't do that 
for $10,000. And Mother Teresa heard her, looked up and said, neither would I. I want you to know that Jesus wouldn't have done it for all the riches of the universe. In fact, he forsook all the riches of the universe in order to come as a babe, in order that he might be known, that he might be understood as the God who hugs the unlovable, the loathsome, the down and outer, the one society has rejected. I'm glad he's the God who hugs. Hallelujah. He hugged, oh, he hugged all kinds of people. He hugged, he hugged tax collectors. That's going some. These people were sellouts. They were traitors. They had sold their souls. There was probably not a group more hated than the tax collectors. But Jesus hugged them. He hugged them. My dear friends, there may be somebody here today who's burnt out, flamed out in life. Flamed out. Like the little lady girl who came to an altar some years ago and she knelt right there and she began to weep and sob and her shoulders convulsed. But soon she was saying, no, 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 I don't deserve to be here. I, I don't, no, no, I shouldn't be here. I shouldn't be here. She looked up and she said, Pastor, could I talk with you? Sure. We invited her to the study, and it all came pouring out. She said, Pastor, I've had an abortion. I've never, I'm about to lose my mind. I know what I did, and I can't undo it. I shouldn't be here if the people knew who I was. They wouldn't want me here. How glad I was to say to her, daughter, nothing could be further from the truth. You're right where you should be. You're right where God wants you to be. And God loves you. And we love you too. Is there somebody here today who needs a God hug? The devil has told you that it's over. You flamed out. There's nothing worthy in your life to even be loved. Could I ask you to just close your eyes and let God hug you right now? He is the God. Thank you, Jesus. He is the God who hugs. You know... I not only get a glimpse of Christ in this portrait, but I get a... I've already highlighted a little Navi. I get a glimpse of children. Do you know who children were in this 
era. I don't know that I have adequate words to say this, but children had absolutely no standing whatsoever, legal or otherwise. They had no rights. They were considered like pets that could be treated at the whim of their parents. I read a, a thing that was archived and, and discovered of a Roman centurion who was stationed in Alexandria, Egypt, and he was writing to his wife at that time, and apparently she had become pregnant. And he wrote to her and he said, If it's a boy, save it. But if it's a girl, get rid of it. And there were no consequences. Children were the uncool ones. Have you ever been uncool? (laughs) They were uncool. They had no rights. They had no standing. That's the reason the disciples just get get out of here, kid. We got we got important things. Get get like a dog. Get get out of here. But Jesus said, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, whoa!" He was indignant, in fact. These are the people I want to hug. These are the people I want to embrace. These people that nobody's voting for. These people have no right. These people who are not even considered to be cool. He invited a child and he hugged that child. Do you realize what a shock that must have been? To those who are watching, to the Pharisees who were all puffed up about their own importance, walking about in their regalia. And Jesus is saying, wait a minute, you chant over here to the side. Navi, come up here, he would have said. I want to give you a hug, honey. I want to tell you, friends, you don't get too insignificant for God to care about. He's come for the uncool. (laughs) Hallelujah. I want to tell you, isn't it wonderful to be chosen? He chose you. Like I went down and picked out the reason was, there ain't many babies in this in this congregation here this morning. I may do better in the second service, but Nobby, you're it, baby. No, there's some more back there. God chose me one day, and I didn't have anything going for me. Kind of reminds me of when I was in grade school. John Bradley was one of the, I hope there's no Bradleys here. I mean, if there are, you, you, this is way over there. John Bradley's family were poor, and John stunk. I mean, literally stunk. You knew where he sat on the bus. His odor stayed there for a while after he'd gone. John was John Bradley was so poor that when we'd eat an apple, he, he would sit there and look at us kind of and saliva would literally I'm not exaggerating. 
he would he would salivate uh, as if to say, I, I wonder what that tastes like. Kids can be cruel. And uh, we all decided that John had cooties. Anybody know what that is? John had cooties. And we let him know he had cooties. If anybody touched him, get them cooties off of me. Can you imagine what John felt like? It was approaching Christmas. The Christmas play back in those days. Believe it or not, hey, look at me. I went to a one-room schoolhouse. Mrs. Crodinger was our teacher. Now, boy, (laughs) I had an auspicious beginning. One-room schoolhouse with Miss Crodinger as our teacher, who'd go to sleep during recess, and we wouldn't wake her up so we could play in the woods. (laughs) But uh, they were getting ready for the Christmas drama. And the leading part, I just, I just knew I was going to get it. I just knew I was. Of all things, the audacity of Mrs. Grodinger. She picked John Bradley. Cootie-infested John Bradley. To be the character in our little Christmas drama. Brother, you talk about the light bulbs turning on. Old John, he was cheesing like a chess cat. He had been chosen. Oh, it felt good to be chosen. And he was so uncool. One day Jesus chose me. And I was so uncool. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad? One final thing that I deduct from this, I've... I think these passages reveal something marvelous about Christ. We've already kind of looked at that and and the children, but also the church. The The church, if you will, is kind of gathered around Jesus that day. And the church, well, there are different factions of the church, let's put it this way. There were Methodists, and there were Baptists, and there were Nazarenes, and there were Church of God Holiness people, and Presbyterians, and, well, there were some Lutherans, and there were some Catholics, and, well, not literally, but figuratively. And they were all convinced he's on our side. They were all convinced that if this Christ throws his... His, his endorsement in any direction is going to be to us. Pharisees were absolutely convinced of that. And so were the others. He didn't vote for any of them. He voted for the children. What I'm trying to say, my dear friends, is that this is what the church is supposed to be. Whatever Jesus was in this revelation is what we're to be. And any departure from that model is an aberration of the church. What are we here for? What are we supposed to be doing? 
wrap our righteous robes around ourselves and to condemn. Look down our collective noses at those who had messed up, blown out, flamed out. Is that our mission? Is our mission to kind of jockey for position as to who is the greatest? Even the disciples got caught up in this. Well, I could tell you some stories across the years. Woo-wee, boy. Of people in the church who felt like the church existed to give them a, a position of power. It's amazing how little symbols can take on significance. Like the Sunday school superintendent I had at one time, director, children's director, who put a big sign on the cabinet door... This is children's department materials. Do not touch. Pastor Joe, I thought I, being the pastor of the church, maybe I could be an exception. I was needing some scotch tape. And I couldn't find any. And I opened the cabinet and found 27 rolls of scotch tape. And I used a little bit of one, and boy, did I catch it. Well, that's another story. How these stupid little symbols of power can can capture us until that's what church is about. Who is going to be the big dog? Got quiet in here. No, I've never seen a scintilla of that around here. Pastor, that doesn't even exist here. I'm satisfied. But it shouldn't. They were in argument with one another, vying, who who is going to be the greatest? Jesus invited a child. And he said, I want to tell you something. Unless you become like one of these, you shall in no wise enter the kingdom of God. Child is so innocent. They believe. They're trusting. They can be in a squabble one day and be best friends the next. They don't hold grudges. They're humble. Doesn't matter what color the kid is, they play with them if they're willing to play. Navi, where are you, baby? Come on up here again. Hurry. Oh, she says, that's it. I've had it one time's enough. Okay, that's okay. Let me come back where she is. You want to know what God is like? He's the God who hugs. He's the God who hugs this little, beautifully dressed, Christmassy little girl named Navi. Amen. Now that's a crazy way of saying it's Christmas time, folks. And the essence of Christmas is Emmanuel. Emmanuel. God came down to live among us and to hug us. Let's stand.
They covered up a clock back there with a wreath, so I don't know what in the world time it is. Wanda, Casey, could you just move to that organ for a second? Let's get quiet before the Lord. Can I ask this crowd today, can I ask you individually, seriously, do you need a God hug today? Oh, there have been times when I'd give everything I own if I could just get a God hug. And you may feel that you're at the end of your extremity. You're at the end of your rope. You've slid down to the end and you're hanging on for dear life. And no one seems to care. No one seems concerned. No one has reached out. You feel like a piece of liver that's been thrown out onto the highway to left there to quiver and rot. I want you to know God cares. He's the God who hugs. And today, right now, without a lot of fanfare, you would just simply say, Pastor, I I need a hug from God today. I don't feel very cool, that's for sure. But it's so amazing to me that God has chosen me. Cooties and all. God has chosen me. And I want to come and embrace that God hug today. Is there anyone here who would just say, you know, I'm desperate enough. I, I'd just like to come and receive that God hug. Guess what? I'll hug you too. Come on. <laughs> Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for your marvelous grace. Thank you, Lord, that you choose us. Jesus, I'm glad that I came to understand that you were not just the sheriff God with your guns ablazing. Oh yes, you love us enough to discipline us. You love us enough to correct us. Yes, you love us. That's true love. But the essence of, of your being is not that you're a God that catch us and condemn us or criticize us or judge us. Thank you, Lord Jesus for who you are. Thank you, Emmanuel. For so long we didn't recognize you without your crown. Now we've seen your face. We've seen your heart. And it's beautiful what we see. Go with this crowd as we enjoy and revel in this wonderful Christmas season of the year. Understanding that he is truly he, that is Jesus, is Emmanuel. God who came down to give us a God hug. Amen. God bless you. May you have a marvelous, marvelous, marvelous day. You've been listening to the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs. 
Our messages are archived at www.eldochurch.com or to order compact discs or DVD videos of the messages, call the church at 417-876-2200. Thank you for listening.